Hey everyone and welcome back to part two with Mr. Samuel Leeds where we're going to dive into some hot topics and all to do with property so stick around. Samuel, so property, you have become what we can say really is the biggest UK educator. Yeah. How has that happened? Like you, you are known in property by pretty much everyone. What's it been like to get to that stage? Um, uh, it's just sort of organically happened, really. I mean, I, when, I, when I started training people, because I never intended to be a trainer, when I got into, I got into property when I was 17 years old, um, you know, sort of bought my first house in 2009. I didn't set my training company up until 2016, back end of 2016. So it came, it was like an, af an after thing, and it really started because so many people were just asking me organically about property. And, you know, there's a lot of people that, do YouTube videos now and, 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 and do articles. But back when I started teaching, that didn't that wasn't really the case. And um, people would just ask me. I set up a company called Training Kings, which was like a non-for-profit organization, which helped because I'm Christian and being in the church and also being somebody that wanted to be wealthy was almost like a little bit of an oxymoron. And there was a lot of miscon misconceptions around, um, it, well, from my upbringing, my background, which was if you want to be a good person and you want to be a Christian, then you need to be humble, not make much money. And I wanted to help people from within my community, within my church and stuff, because I was able to do so much good with the money. We set up the Samuel Lee's Foundation. I was digging wells in rural parts of um, Africa, Zambia. Um, we're building schools in Uganda. And I thought, actually, if I can find good people from within the church that have got entrepreneurial gifts and help them, help them with that, then they can also go and do good things and make the world a better place and I wanted to help people and that's why I set up Training Kings um, which kind of then turned from me helping Christians within business to people just saying what property should we buy yeah. <laughs> teach us about asking me. and then that was when I registered the training company in 2016 so yeah I mean in terms of being the biggest and all that I'm not super competitive I'm not like trying to be that top spot and saying I'm the biggest I'm the best but I think we just have more students than you know more successful students certainly than, than, than any other training company and uh, yeah just sort of organic really it's, it's really interesting you have a very interesting story the way that you've you know you started out and to where you are now you know mm. and it's it's happened over years so what I want this this episode to be about and for all the viewers is uh, I don't want to go over the same questions I know you you know you've had uh, the same questions I want this to be more so about value that people can take yeah so you know this is going to be more of a constructive part too and there are a lot of good things that I think people can learn from and take away from the experiences that you've had and one of the one of those is a lot of judgment you've gone through good and bad yeah. and you have a big social media presence on Instagram YouTube and your business and there are a lot of pros to take from that um, and I want to focus more on the positives you've survived through all of it how has that improved how, how has that improved Samuel like how has yeah. that thickened your skin because you've you've come out on the other side yeah I think when you're the when you're on number one when you're sort of like the, the top people will scrutinize you more so if you're just a property trainer or you're just a youtuber no one no one everyone just watches if they like the video they like the video if they don't like the video they don't like the video they unsubscribe whereas when you are number one people then try and pull you down or scrutinize you so I think what one of the things I've you know, had to learn is to make sure that my company is 100% com completely 
squeaky clean, above board in every way. All our contracts, our insurances, everything we do is is completely you know above reproach. Um, I think that's probably been because when I got into property training, it was just organic. Like, yeah, man, I'm helping people, I'm training people. But then when the media start coming around and trying to find stories and who's this guy, you, you know, it, it, I think it just made me a little bit more. Um, careful of what I say. I also used to put everything, every time I'd buy a property, I'd, 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 I'd talk about it on YouTube. I'd, I used to have a tradition every year where I'd say, right, these are all the houses that I bought this year. You know, I bought, you know, 12 houses. These are the ones and this is what happened. But then, my, you know, my tenants start contacting me saying, oh man, there's people outside the house asking us questions. And this right. is, so I kind of was like, whoa, maybe I need to just be a little bit more private in some areas as well, because to, not, not, not for my sake, but to protect my um, my tenants and, and my staff and customers. And so, yeah, it was a bit of a shock. Young guy, you know, I was like 26 and 27 and suddenly massive attention, um, you know, so it was it was a little bit crazy. Um, but yeah, definitely, man, I, I could write a book on the lessons for sure. Do you think you would? I mean, I think there's a lot to take from it. And like I say, you know, I'm not, I'm not to sit here to go over old stories. I want to focus more on, uh, you know, what you've come through yeah. and the lessons that can be learned from that yeah. is that uh, being in the public eye, and like you said, I, I fully understand that the media will try and catch every single angle. Do you also think that when it comes to property, there are a lot of quick people to jump on the training sort of bandwagon yeah. therefore anyone that's higher and above they've got to pull those down to kind of Maybe, bring yeah. up their do you yeah. is that something that you're having to battle against also up and coming mentors and stuff like that yeah i mean probably i don't i don't pay loads of attention to what people have to say about me outside of my customers you know what what are my customers and what are my staff saying and what's my family and my church and my friends but in terms of yeah i mean People will, will take shots at me for no reason. <laughs> don't know them. Don't clearly they've got a competitive business, you know. And what do I think of that? I think it's it's a little bit silly because that's not the way I became successful. I think to get to the top, you want to collaborate your way to the top. You can't build your own building by trying to knock other people's down. Um, but you know, humans are sometimes interested. One of the things I think I did learn through the press was that. People are fickle because if if you're getting loads of positive attention on the TV and on the media and on the radio, yeah. then people will be like, oh man, hey mate, oh can we do something, you're amazing. You're... But then if you then got a bit of bad press, you know, and they're saying, even if it's, it's not terrible, if it's just something, you know, that they're, they're, yeah. they're the, the press are taking shots at you, then suddenly those people that you thought were your mates, it's like, ah. Oh. So I think, you know, going through bad times, whether that be financially or whether that be from bad press, it kind of makes you realise who your actual friends are because you're a true friend will, even if you are, you know, losing all your money, you're getting bad stories written about you that are unfair. No matter what crap is going on, a true friend knows you for you and it doesn't matter what you've got and what people are saying, it matters who you are. So, um, you know, definitely learned who my, who my friends were through, through, some of the, through some of the rough times um, as well, which I think is important, knowing who you can trust. Some, I, I even, you know, rehired so some of the people that stood with me through some of the bad times in like 2019 now are working with me they're, they're, they're paid a lot <laughs> you know yeah. they're in they're in the, the really so shown their value exactly yeah do you think through 
those hard times has obviously made you a stronger person. There's no doubt that that's mm. happened because I can't see how it wouldn't. You know, you would you would learn from all of that. Is that for those watching, and what I'll do is I'll incorporate some of the questions. And again, I'm going to try and keep this in that constructive value way is that there are a lot of trainers out there up and coming. So it's almost a minefield of who you listen to now. And obviously mm. accessibility through social media, YouTube, um, it's always who do I listen to yeah. and who's genuine. So one thing we obviously mentioned earlier is that a question which I'll incorporate is there's a lot of trainers that when they stand up on stage they say they started in debt right um hundreds of thousands which almost makes someone else's situation financially look a little bit smaller mm. what do you think on that kind of the setup of yeah. how educators set themselves up i think it's just if if they're, if they're saying it and it's not true and they're and they're saying for, for for some reason to try and make more sales or, or whatever then i think then it's hugely immoral but if it's true and it's just their story and they're just like, hey, look, I started in loads of debt, um, then it's part of their story. I mean, me, I didn't start with loads of debt, but I did start with a little bit of paper and money, which you might say is the same yeah. thing. It's like a started from nothing type story, but that's my story. So that's just that's just it. So if I'm sharing my story, it's, I'm not going to change it depending on who I'm talking to. You know, I struggled with being a Christian in my church. That's my story. Maybe some people can't relate to that. Maybe some people don't want to do business with me because I am a Christian, but that's my story. So yeah, I'm sure there's people out there that say a lot of nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> you, I think you know. also, uh, actions speak louder than words. I, I always look for any, anyone that I'm working with or that, you know, we collaborate with, you, you always look for sort of actions speak louder than words to actually see it happening. Mm. And obviously that that's kind of proof is in the pudding. So how important is it for you to sort of, obviously again, because you're in the public eye, I imagine that you're always chasing your tail and always having to keep up with content and what you're doing. Is that, how do you find that sort of almost documenting everything that you're doing? Because like you said earlier, if you almost go off the radar, yeah. it then questions the whole business. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't go off the radar. I'm just a little bit more specific in yeah. what information I'll give now and what I, I'll hold back. Uh, also, most of my content now, um, I'm documenting my students' successes as well because I think f from a training perspective, we're talking about having a training business now. If I was going to invest in someone's training, the first thing I'd want to know is who's previously done it, what were their results, you know, not yeah. just how successful are you as a, of course it's really important to be, if you're training someone in, in anything, you need to have shown that you've been successful in that first. But that's really important. But what's also equally as important is well, who else have you trained? Because if I'm going to invest in you as a trainer, I need to see that you're a good trainer. I need to see that you've been able to train up people successfully. Um, so I think those are the two important. But then, yeah, with training, I think that there's, there's a lot of trainers that do it for a quick buck and they go in with the wrong mentality, yeah. uh, which I think if you're going to be a trainer, you should be going in uh, training somebody. Number one, you should have made enough money yourself. Like It can't be about the money. You yeah. can't be doing it for, for, for the money. Secondly, you need to make sure that you've got all the um, insurances, complaints procedures, compliance. There's a lot of legislation. People know when, you, when you're a deal sourcer, people know to package and sell deals, you need to be registered with the ombudsman. There's a lot of compliance that goes with it. People know that. But with training, it's even more so. There's yeah. so much compliance and legislation and stuff that you should, but people just completely ignore and just like, oh, I've set up a training business. And people are like, oh, okay. But it's like, whoa, you've been in the industry for two years. You've never been through a recession. Yeah. 
you you've not you've not got any compliance insurances. I think it's scary because if it, if if they um you know if they ended up having a student that lost money and then that person sued them, that'd be done. So do you think? So this is leads on to nicely to a question. Do you think companies should have? And this is a question that I've asked, like a vetting process, even for new mentors and mentors that are set up oh, to say, so. yeah, because it's it's unregulated. Oh, and, I think and, so. You know, ideally in in regulated and unregulated, and yeah. and it's so loose in between. It's such yeah. a vanilla. It's such a fine line. So do you think? And do you think they ever will bring in? Okay, you're going to start an educational company. We just need to go through a vetting process yeah. so that you're protected. Also but also those that come on board yeah i think i think yes i think it 100 should be a regulated industry however it already is regulated to a point where people just don't know that it is mm-hmm. if you're giving financial advice yeah. if you're teaching people and training then you need to be insured for a start this is the vanilla part yeah this is that on the fence yeah but it is regulated yeah it's not heavily regulated but there is regulation. There's regulation in most businesses, but like trading standards. Does that apply to property trainers? Yes. Yeah. But people that are setting up training companies because they don't need any qualification or they don't, they're just not aware of the regulation. So what's going to happen is they're going to end up just getting burned and finds out the hard way. Or I mean, most of the, the most trainers don't last a year anyway. Most people that start a property training after a year or two, they've gone. Um, but if they, if they, if they. Um, got sued, I think it'll be, it would be pretty devastating because if you're t- training somebody, you are obligated to make sure that you have, you're, 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 you're not, you're, you're giving them guidance, not advice. You've got to understand the difference between guidance and advice. I'm sure, I'm sure you do as someone that's in finance. So there's so much to it, but I think people underestimate it. I understand that it's really difficult, especially for someone who, again, because of your presence, you, you are at the front. There's no backing away from it now. So yeah. going forward, it, it can only get tighter, restricted, you know, in, in terms of making sure everything's aligned is that I, I, I find it, especially looking from the outside, because I come from a neutral background, really. There's no for or against. And, you know, when someone decides to jump into property and they think that they need that helping hand is that, I'm a big believer in money management and really knowing your own numbers and, and, and I think that's a responsibility on us, the individuals. But of course, like we said, it's, it's crazy that we're not teaching in school finance. Yeah. We know that there's a there's a motive to keep those numbers low. We, we know that. Um, so I do, I, I see both sides that it's down to an educational company to also have their vetting process and then but also, as the individual, yeah. we're responsible for our own finances. Are you t- you're talking about now vetting so, the students. So yeah, so sure. like for someone who's going to commit to any mentor, yeah. is that I understand that there's a very fine line to determine when do you put your hand up and say no, but yeah. also you need do to you know money what? manage yourself. It's a great question, and this is one that is does take more thought. It is much more complex because if you're going to be turning students away, mm. then where does that become vetting versus discrimination? Yeah. You see? It's, it's a hard one, yeah, because I, I understand. And again, it's, it's looking at that. It's taking a step back and actually going the reality of it. If someone is like, no, I want to do the training. I can do it. And at yeah. that point, what is, is it discrimination? Are you, you know, you can have problems can lead from that as well. I imagine there's people that would cause problems. Oh, yeah. I had, a, I had a guy recently. He said to me that he wanted to do a full, full-blown Property Investors Academy, which is like one of my mentoring for a whole year, really advanced. Um, didn't have much money and had just lost his job. And I didn't say no to him, but I was just like, I really, really think that you should just come down to some of our free training and read some books. And, 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 and he was like a little bit offended by that. But I'm thinking, 
I can't say to someone, he'd not done any, he'd just been watching my YouTube videos. The reason that we have all of the free courses there and is so people can come and get experience first, get to know each other. So, you know, of course there's common sense, which is sometimes just like, I don't think that's the right product for you. But I think if someone's saying to me, no, I want to do this. Like when I started and I was 17 years old and I was investing in courses, I'm glad they didn't turn me away because they could have easily said, ADHD, dyslexia, failed in school. I'm not taking this paper and money off him for this course. Yeah. But the fact that they did take, but most businesses will. If you go into a shop or want to buy a car or anything, if you've got the money and are saying, I want this, they're not going to say no. I mean, most businesses, you know? So it's, it's a very, very... It's a very, very tricky one, and I think to legislate that uh, or to vet students in that way, I think would be would be near impossible. What should be vetted, though, are the actual trainers themselves to make sure that their their selling is ethical. See, I get accused people say a oh, hard sell, and it's like okay, or I've even been accused of passive pressure selling, and it's like well, actually, pressure selling is illegal. Hmm. So how you sell is already regulated. I can't pressure sell. If I if I pressure sold, I'd be I'll be done. I, I think sometimes you can't win. I think you need to, you know, for those of, you know, some people, I totally agree with what you said earlier. When the negative is bad, people will j- jump that bandwagon keyboard yeah. warrior. I really agree with that. And when it's going positive and everyone's singing, they want to then be back with you. So the fact that yeah. you rewarded people who stuck with you um, is, you know, is the right thing to do because I totally get that. People are, when it's going good, they want to sing when yeah. it's not. So, and... With the hard sell, I mean, I went yeah. to buy a car once and the guy was just on me the whole time. So yeah. you're in a business that has huge marketing, is everywhere, is a really hot topic, is interesting. People want to get into property. So I do understand that almost sometimes you can't win. Mm. But what I want to do now is I want to talk about some of the questions I'm incorporate, some of my yeah. uh, thoughts is uh, no money down deal. Yeah. So I want to share my thoughts. I personally don't see there being a genuine no money down deal. And I know that was some of the questions that come up. So I'll join that as well yeah. in that question. Um, is there such thing as not a penny? Uh, taking a lease option out of it. I know that's a bit of a trick one, but yeah. in regards to saying, I want to get my first buy to let. Yeah. I'm a family man, got a little okay. bit of savings. All right. Well, I'll give, let me give you a, an example. There was a guy called Trevor who found a piece of land piece of land he, he negotiated to buy for 330 grand. He also got quotes, builder's quotes, and it had planning permission for six houses, 500,000 pounds for six houses. So all in, he did 830 grand. Now Trevor didn't have any money. Trevor didn't have the money for it. The end value was 1.35 million. So there's half a million pounds clean profit in this deal. Trevor didn't have the money. Trevor came to me and said, Samuel, can you fund it? And can, you, can we do a joint venture? I looked at the deal and said yes. I put in 830 grand plus legal costs, everything. And Trevor took 30, approximately 33% of the profits. So for Trevor, is that a no money down deal? Okay, so question here. So did that come on, because this could touch into something else. Did that come down to Trevor's likability and as a person? Because this is also something that people might not think about. So I want to spark that thought process is, did you get on with Trevor? So Trevor you had time for Trevor. Was he an aspiring entrepreneur that you said, you know, I'm going to give you a chance. Is that what happened there? I invested really because the deal was good. So what Trevor brought to the table was the deal. The deal. The deal. So I think if you're going to do a no money down deal, you might need some sweat equity, right? You might, there's, there's three types of currencies. There's money and then there's time and then there's expertise. Those are the three currencies. 
Is it possible to do a no money down deal? I don't think you can argue that it is impossible because it happens all the time. But you do need the expertise, whether that be yeah. the likability to close the deal, yeah. to find the deal. You also might need time. So when I'm telling people you don't need big deposits to buy property, it's like, well, no, you don't. If you can have the expertise all the time, you need something. If you've got no time, no knowledge, no likability, yeah. no expertise, no money, then then you're doomed. Then it's like, okay, well, now I need to work on maybe getting the expertise. <laughs> maybe I need to work on the likability. Maybe I need to check out Charisma on Command and start getting some, <laughs> right? So, but do you need money? Well, you clearly don't because thousands of deals are done every year in this country from people that are investing in property without using money. So that, 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 I think it's quite a straightforward answer. I think also, just off the back of that, I do think you need a really high caliber network in almost, a, you know, you funded that project, but for an average person who hasn't gone out their way to network, get themselves yeah. in London, get themselves around the right people. So yeah. yeah, I would say definitely there's opportunities available. You, you really have to be backed by some, I would definitely say some financially uh, secure individuals, high net yeah. worth investors. Yeah. And I, yeah, I would agree actually that if you're bringing the right deal and you've got the likability and, and you've got the drive. I think, yeah, you could get backed by someone, but certainly from what I've seen for someone looking to pick up their first buy to let, they have no track record. I think you would still need. Yeah. I mean, you could start as well with, with a smaller deal. You wouldn't start with a piece of land where you're building six houses. and need almost a million quid. You could start with, oh, I found uh, a little tiny 50 grand auction property you know, and it needs 10 grand on it and the end value is 90 grand. What do you think? Push it to your family and friends. And, you know, you start with something smaller. But yeah, I, I definitely would agree that you do need some expertise. You know, it's not, if it was a case of just, oh, you can buy houses with no money. People, people can just walk into the estate agents and go, I love that one, that one, and that one. No, it's not like that. But if you build the skills, build the network, it is possible. And I think the reason I say that, you know, people say, oh, I'm selling people dreams. I don't remember selling Trevor a dream. I didn't, he came to me with a dream. I wrote the check. Yeah. I didn't sell him a dream. <laughs> right? I wrote the check. So it's like, actually, what I'm, what I'm trying to do is really give hope to people that might think I've only got 10 grand. I'm going to have to save up. The average house right now is 276,000 pounds. A deposit is like 50, 60 grand plus stamp duty plus why is the average age 34 years old to buy a house? It's because people think they've got to save, stop drinking Starbucks. Well, that was, you know, we've talked about that earlier. <laughs> stop, drinking, stop drinking Starbucks, cancel Netflix and save. But it's going to take you 10 years to save a deposit. And even after you've saved the deposit after 10 years, house prices will have probably doubled. So it's this never ending. So there must be another way. So this is my thing. So um, going back to the, you know, if people are sitting here thinking, well, that's my situation. I can't save quick enough. My money management's brilliant, but I'm not earning. Yeah. The salary's not there. Is that this is my thing is that there are other businesses or if you've got a passion to start something cash flow. I always use this example. If you love coffee, go buy a lovely teardrop trailer, a horse trailer, convert it, cash flow yeah. and pay, go to wedding businesses. Right. Is that there are other ways to make money. And when I think of property, I think of growing that net worth, pump and dump, put it in. Yeah. Property doesn't overly excite me, but I know many people are wanting to get into it. And yeah. certainly money management and your network and really knowing numbers. Yeah. I mean, how important for people, you know, people watching this thinking, I tell you what, I, I want to ask this question. I know so many people that go away. What's your thoughts on this? I, I have um, my own thoughts. Do you go and get yourself out sourcing the properties to then find the buyer or do you build the network, the buyers, the, the investors, mm. and then you go, right, 
10, 20 investors. What do you need? And I'll go and find it. You find the buyers. Right. Okay. I'm great. Yeah, cool. 100%. You ask people, you put yourself in rooms where you know there are buyers, maybe an auction where there's a bunch of people that lost out on the deal or maybe a property networking event. And you say, what are you looking for? I'm a deal finder. If I could find something that fit that criteria, would you be interested? Excellent. Can I take your card? Okay. And then you get, once you've got 10, 20, 30 people's cards, you then know what you need to go look for. Because yeah. otherwise, if you're trying to find a house without a buyer, yeah. even if you find a house, you're then under desperate, you're going to fall out with the agent because you can't sell it in time. It's a recipe for disaster. So you heard it there first is that don't go out, view properties just for the photos and Instagram. And then you've got no one to sell it. Because uh, something I'm really, uh, that really focused on is always uh, return on time invested. So yeah. what I'm doing with my time, how am I leveraging it? And I always see that where someone starts the sourcing and obviously that's a big avenue where people start is sourcing, trying to cash flow. But at the same time, uh, you know, don't waste your time taking yeah. photos of properties. You've got no one to sell it to. We don't let our guys do that. I, 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 people might do it who follow me, YouTube or whatever, but if they're actually trained, they don't do that. Yeah. Because it's stupid. Yeah. I mean, they might go along to an auction or an open house just for a bit of experience to see what's there. But to book a load of viewings and waste time when you've not got the finance for it without any investors, without knowing any knowledge of what you're doing, without, it's just wasting time. And it's the best way to fall out of estate agents. And that's the reason why when good deal sources go to an estate agent, so I'm actually a deal sourcer, the estate agent goes, oh, we don't work with deal sourcers because they've been, they've been burned from bad deal sources, which is one of the reasons why I have a training company to make sure that people are actually doing it properly. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. When it comes to the education, uh, I'm almost going to have to ask you to put your educational company aside for this question. Yeah, okay. I, I, so I've, I'm self-taught in everything I've done. So like I said to you off camera, I've, I fell into what I do organically and everything else has been books and mainly audio. Yeah. So yeah. I've got like two months, seven days, huge amount of hours of listening. And I've, I've all been self-taught. For, for those that think, for those that don't really know whether they need a mentor or mm. whether they can learn it, because there's so many free resources, yeah. even checking out your YouTube uh, and other people's YouTube as well, yeah. is there are so many resources. At what point, do you, what do you think someone needs to decide when they go, okay, I, I need to pay for mentoring yeah. or actually the world has given me enough free resources because they are out there. And to me, yeah. it comes down to your effort, determination, commitment, and discipline. Yeah. Get off your ass and learn it. Well, I think taking my education company aside, as you said, do I invest in mentors? Absolutely. All the time. I've just, I just, I just spent 2000 pounds just this morning because I wanted to spend a little on a bit. coffee. Not on a coffee. <laughs> no, I just wanted to spend, I just wanted to, I just wanted to just spend half a day with a, a planning consultant. And I was just like, you're, you're the best. I want to, Pick your brand, show you some of our sites. Um, I spent two hundred thousand pounds getting some mentoring from Grant Cardone. So I'm 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 a massive believer in not trying to reinvent the wheel. If somebody's done it before, actually sitting with somebody and saying, you can either pay for your, if you're self-taught, you'll pay for mistakes, which is fine, but you can pay for your education instead, and it's a lot cheaper. So I'm a massive believer, and I also think that property investing is an industry. It's a profession. It's a business. If you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or an electrician or a head, you're going to go and get trained. You're going to go to college. You're going to go to university. You're going to get the skills. Property investors, they don't need that qualification, but I think they still need the training. Mm -hmm. So to think that you can just step in to a lucrative profession, because you can lose a lot of money as well in business. Um, so I, I'm not saying, you know, you're an idiot. You should have done this, that, and the other. Everyone's different. But for me personally, I think that, and trying to find stuff online for free, you can't. If you're searching a lot of stuff online, like, you know, oh, are the, are the councils lax in this area? What was it going to say? 
Yeah. You know, you can't. You just need to find someone that's doing it and building in that area and go, talk to me about the councils. How can yeah. I... And also networking. And I, I think it's absolutely... Um, I think network, if you're not going to pay for mentoring and you're not in a position to, I think networking is the second best thing because some yeah. of the people that I'm surrounded with, I mean, we're talking really wealthy people. I'm blessed to say that they, I wouldn't say they teach me, but I can sit in a room, I can call them up at any point and I can learn for absolutely nothing. And I do agree that your, your speed and the process you go through is a lot quicker when you have mm. someone saying, jump now jump now stop yeah which leads me on to another question is do you have a mentor that is sometimes it's a bit daunting i know this was one of the other questions is sometimes it's daunting to see someone who's got x amount of net worth and is so far ahead mm. to having someone who's a couple of hurdles ahead of them so it, how do you find yeah. how do you find that um i think that it's a good question i think that you want to find someone that you want to be like. You want to find someone that you aspire to be in their position. Um, the problem with finding someone that's six months ahead is sometimes it can be like blind leading the blind. Because mm. if someone's, let's say someone's trying to teach property and they just secured their first three buy to lets and they're then trying to mentor somebody how to do it, someone could go, oh, well, they're only a few steps ahead. I can relate to that person. But, but that person might crush in the next recession because they've, they've not put good systems and exit strategies in place. So for me... I would probably find somebody that is very, very successful. But at the same time, you know, you don't want to... It, when I'm teaching property, I could, I could very easily go, oh, I'm not really doing rent to rents and some of the small stuff anymore. I'm not going to teach you. I'm not going and, to... And, and become unrelatable, which is one of the reasons why I still do the smaller deals. And I still do financial freedom challenges and start again from scratch because I don't want to be that mentor that's like, oh, 15 years ahead makes millions of pounds and people just think, oh man, I'm a bit out of touch, which is why I continue to do the small deals, which I think is important. But yeah, I think you just want to find somebody that's the best in their field. Like I didn't find a planning consultant that was just a little bit more experienced than I am. I'm like, no, I'm going to find a planning consultant that's the best in the country yeah. and sit with them because they've, they've, they've seen the good, the bad and the ugly. They've got a depth of knowledge as long the as they're also there. a good teacher. Um, you know, that, that again, that, that's my take on it. No, amazing points. I mean, it's all been golden. Um, as we sort of come to a finish, what would be your, let's say, top three tips for someone wanting to start in property, is a nine to five guy or girl and has a little bit of savings, but they do want to get into property. What is What are the realis, real, realistic steps from here? Mm, I'd say practically work on recycling your money because saving and dumping, unless you are a extremely successful business where you're making millions of pounds, if you're having to save up a deposit every time you want to buy a house, it's too slow. You need to work on how to recycle your money, namely putting it into a property, adding value, pulling your money out. So I'd say figure out how to do that. I'd say number two, I'd say get around good people that are doing it. You know, if you're hanging around successful property investors, then it's going to be so much easier for you to become successful rather than all your friends being like, what? What are you doing? Why are you doing that? So get around good people. Um, and I'd say number three is believe. You know, believe. Visualize yourself doing it. And this is sometimes, you know, laughed at or or underrated, which is the law of attraction and the power of you know belief. I think that it's so so important. To, if you if you believe something, you'll find the evidence to back it up. You know, if you believe, if if watching this video, if someone at the beginning of this interview thought, I hate Samuel Lee, he's a dick, you'll be looking for the yeah. Oh, see, did you see the way he looked at him that time? Right. And you'll back up your own beliefs. If you believe that you're a loser, 
then you'll pick up the phone and the estate agent will say, oh, sorry, join the queue. There's too many investors. And you'll be like, oh, man. Be a shepherd, not a sheep. Yeah, be, be a shepherd, not a sheep. And, 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 and also, you, you will find the evidence to back up your belief. So you may as well believe that it's possible. You may as well believe that you can do it. And if you do that alongside getting good people around you and learning how the fundamentals of how to recycle your money, um, put a good plan together, then I think that will pretty much set you up to win. There were some amazing points. I've loved part one, part two, and that was the whole purpose of this podcast. Uh, and it's been a pleasure to have you on is to take the value away from your experiences into where you are now. Because uh, the reality is, Sam, you wouldn't be where you are if you know, you're not running successful businesses. So there is a lot to take away. I hope all the watchers took a, a huge amount. Samuel, if people want to reach out or get in touch, where can they go? Probably just subscribe to my YouTube channel, Samuel Leeds, um, or search me on Google. Awesome. Well, all the links will be in the description below. Everyone who has watched so far, thanks so much. We'll see you all very soon.